Rahab is a great example to us of the fact that regardless of your background, your lack of spiritual understanding, your, your lifestyle, true faith operates courageously and it takes risks. Regardless of all the opposition to the faith that you may have, you may have an unbelieving spouse and, and you may give all kinds of excuses. There, there is no excuse. If Rahab can believe, you can too. If Rahab can become an honored part of God's community, then you can too. Rahab certainly had daring faith. What makes it doubly amazing is that it was founded on such sketchy knowledge. Rahab demonstrates that we don't need to know all the answers before we trust God. In fact, if we did know all the answers, it really wouldn't be trust. Seeing her example, we ought to be able to say, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Thank you for tuning in today to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He has been serving for over 25 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily Bible classes of the air are an outgrowth of his ministry at Lakeside. Today's class is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's eighth message about the heroes of the faith, chronicled in Hebrews 11. As we saw in the last class, Rahab, like the other heroes of the faith, was not perfect. The obvious blemish on her character was her occupation. She was a prostitute. On top of that, Pastor Steve had just read from Joshua chapter 2 about how Rahab had lied to protect the Hebrew spies hiding in her house. Her lie raises some ethical questions. Let's go over them before we move on to the conclusion of Pastor Steve's message. Let's stop here for a moment because this portion of Scripture, neglected, I might add, uh, by a lot of commentaries, because I don't want to get into this, but I am going to get into this because uh, it raises a question of one, and one that has puzzled a lot of Christians, and, and it's this. Did God approve of Rahab's lie? She lied. She lied. The woman lied. And the question, did God approve of it? In other words, since her, her lie resulted in saving the lives of two Israelite spies, was her, her lie justifiable? And the broader question for us, and this is why I raised this, not just to answer a Bible uh, difficulty, but the broader question for us is this, is it ever right to lie if good things result from it or if the motives are good? Now, let's, let's address this. You probably have opinions on it. Let's, let's look at this. There is no question, first of all, there is no question about it that the Bible commends Rahab. But what does it commend her for? Not her lie. It commends her for her faith. Keep that in mind. She is commended for her faith and her faith only. She's certainly not commended for being a prostitute. She's not commended for lying. She's commended because she believed God. In fact, in James chapter 2, verse 25, she's mentioned again uh, for this very act. And it says her faith evidenced that she had, her works evidence rather, that she had real faith. She's listed with Abraham as someone who evidenced faith by her works. So we want to establish that. She's not commended for a lie, commended for faith. Secondly, the Bible clearly condemns lying, and it doesn't qualify it. It doesn't say that you could lie, but you might. Uh, you, you should never lie, but you might in this occasion do it. it it's, it's very clear. In fact, let me just read to you some, some portions of Scripture. Leviticus 19 verse 11, you shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. It can't be any clearer than that. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. You might want to write some of this down. 
Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. How about the New Testament? The New Testament says the same thing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, the same thing that the Old Testament says. It says, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Don't lie, speak the truth. Now, Rahab spoke a blatant lie. There is no question about that. She said, I don't know where the men went. Well, she knew very well where the men went. She brought them up to the roof and she hid them. She lied. She said, uh, I don't know where they went, but they left and they were headed in this direction and she lied. Was Rahab wrong to lie? Absolutely. She was wrong to lie. It is always wrong to lie, even if the results are good or it's for a good cause. One verse that uh, is very helpful in this is Romans chapter 3. Do you know the Apostle Paul was accused of, of doing, we call this situation ethics. Do something wrong so something good could come of it. Paul was accused of this. In Romans 3 verse 8 he says, And why not say as we are slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Paul says their condemnation is just. Some were saying that that's what Paul was teaching, let us do evil that good may come. And some say, well, Rahab was justified then. She did evil that good came about. No, Paul condemned it. Also, we never teach that. Anybody who says we, we do ought to be judged by God. The end never justifies the means. Someone said this, it is never right to do wrong to do right. Never right to do wrong to do right. We call this situation ethics. That is that the situation will dictate how you ought to, uh, how you ought to handle it. The end never justifies the means. You see, here's the problem. If you open the door to, to your own thinking and you become the final authority as to which is right and which is wrong, if you open the door because the results are good, then you have to conclude, uh, it clearly go against God's word that something, for example, like David's sin with Bathsheba was okay and all the, the stuff that went on there. You know why? Because the messianic line was continued through Bathsheba. Solomon became her son. So see, it worked out okay. It's fine. That's not fine. God condemned David for that. There's no question about that. Now, even though God allowed the lie to be used in, in the spies escaping, he allowed it. Doesn't mean he approves of it. It doesn't mean that it was right to lie just because God used it. God, and we, we would say this, God doesn't need man's unholy methods to accomplish his holy purposes. He didn't need Rahab to lie. God was very capable of handling the situation without her lying. Then the question is this, then what should Rahab have done? What should she have done when, when the soldiers came and asked the whereabouts of the spies? Well, let me suggest one of the things she, she could have done is hidden the spies very well, and then refused to answer whether she was hiding them. She didn't have to answer. She could have said something like this, come in, have a look for yourselves. And then all the while praying that God would keep them hidden. See, that's very relevant for what, uh, what people went through in Europe against Nazi Germany. Do you have Jews in this home? Are you hiding the Jews? You don't have, they didn't have to say anything. Never write to lie. Just keep quiet. Come in and take a look for yourself. So we're not saying that we surrender innocent lives just because an army demands it, but you don't uh, have to answer someone, and you don't have to certainly lie. You see, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that there's no temptation that's taken you 
uh, that, that has to overcome you. God has made a way of escape. He'll not allow you to be in a situation that you have to compromise. The way, there's always a way of escape. There's always a way to avoid disobeying him, and we need his wisdom. But you need to determine in your heart that you will not lie, you will not do wrong, and you will not be the one to decide which of his moral standards you can break in order to keep his other moral standards. Then you might as well throw the Bible away because you've become the final authority, not the Bible. In other words, we are not the ones to determine that lying is a lesser evil than involuntarily being involved in murder. That's not for us. Sin is sin. It's not for us to determine that. So we do what's right and we obey the word. But the writer to the Hebrews praises Rahab for her faith, not her lie, not her prostitution, but her faith. So let's look at Joshua chapter 2 again and we'll see why she was so commended. She hid the spies and then verse 8 picks up the story. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, that is the Jerichoites, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard, now how she heard, I don't know exactly, but we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and that you did, and what you did to the two kings, of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And when we heard it, our hearts melted, melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. And spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours and shall come about that when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Rahab and her fellow citizens of Jericho knew about the God of Israel. They had heard apparently verbally, orally. And uh, what they, what God had done for the Israelites and how he had promised them the land. And she believed God. Even if no one else did, she believed God. And the evidence of her faith was that she risked her life. Risked her life to save these spies. And as a result of her faith, God spared her life as well as her family. She asked for her family. It was quite a step of faith for Rahab, who apparently had little or no experience in such matters, to put her trust in the integrity of those men and in the mercy of God. As we will see in a minute, God did not show mercy on the other inhabitants of Jericho, but he did have mercy on Rahab and her family. I've talked to a lot of people who are troubled by the fact that God completely wiped out those people. How could a loving God do that? He had a good reason for it, and we'll find out what it was in just a minute. We would like to take a moment to welcome those of you who have just tuned in. Thanks for listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. Now, Verse by Verse Ministries makes his clear, practical lessons available to radio listeners as well. If you stay tuned at the end of our class, I'll explain how you can listen to this broadcast again and also how you can go back in time, so to speak, to hear previous lessons. Today's class is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's eighth message about the heroes of the faith. 
Our main text is Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. But we use plenty of other passages to shed light on our main text. Pastor Steve just read from Judges chapter 2, which describes in detail the step of faith taken by Rahab before God destroyed her city and all her neighbors. So, before we move on to some personal applications from the life of Rahab, let's look to chapter 20 of the book of Deuteronomy for the answer to the troubling question of why God killed all those people. Here is Pastor Steve. Now, uh, everybody else was destroyed. Everybody else in Jericho was destroyed, and that brings up another side issue question, and I want to deal with it for a few moments. That is the moral question as to how could a holy God destroy all the people of Jericho? How could he do that? thought God was loving. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 20 gives us some help on this. God did not destroy them because God felt like doing that. The Bible says God does not delight in the death of the wicked. There is a reason for it. Before the Jewish people entered the land, God said this to them in Deuteronomy 20, verse 16. Only in the cities of these peoples that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, you shall not leave alive anything that breathes. In other words, if others come up against you, that's different. Defend yourself, but with the Canaanites, wipe them all out. <laughs> And here's the reason, but you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the, and the Jebusite, as the Lord your God has commanded you. The reason? In order that, that they may not teach you to do according to all their detestable things which they have done for their gods, so that you would sin against the Lord your God. This was to be done, this was a gracious act for Israel and the rest of humanity, for you included. God said these people are so wicked and they're so morally filthy that we're going to wipe them out from the face of the earth lest they pollute other people, just like a cancer. The cells are, are rotten from cancer, just cut it out. Cut it out. You say, well, how bad could they have been? Let me tell you how bad they could have been. You know what these people did? They sacrificed children to their gods. Live children, put them on the fire sacrificed living children to their gods. They practiced sodomy, bestiality, which is relations with animals. They even put, and this is incredible, they even put live babies in jars and sealed them into the walls of their city as a sacrifice to their gods. That's what archaeologists have uncovered. And I want you to know, God gave them a chance to repent. Back in Genesis 15, God said to Abraham, "When from the time that the Jewish people get out of Egypt, I'm going to give the Amorites 400 years. And then when the iniquity is full, I'm going to wipe them out. God was gracious. God gave them time to repent. God gave them an opportunity to hear. They heard about the God of Israel, just like Rahab, but they refused to believe. They refused to repent. They had an opportunity. You see, mercy always precedes judgment. God, gave, God was merciful to them, gave them all this opportunity and a final opportunity in that they heard the truth about the God of Israel and they said no. And so they were destroyed. It's a gracious thing that God did. Now, Rahab's faith was a daring faith. It was a faith that exposed her to great personal danger. But she triumphed because of her belief that God was right. 
Now, what do you think that would say to the troubled Hebrews of the first century who were scared about persecution and, and, and all kinds of things going on? It would say to them the same thing that it says to us today. Faith takes risks. Faith stakes its life and eternity, in fact, on, on the truths of God's word. And regardless of all that might deter us away from believing God, true faith trusts God and overcomes obstacles. Now you think about it for a moment. What are the obstacles that Rahab had? You think you have obstacles? Let me give you some of the obstacles she had. First of all, she didn't have the opportunity. Uh, well, let me say this. She was from a pagan background. She didn't have the opportunity to be raised in a godly home. She was from a wicked society that did not teach her Sunday school lessons. She didn't have a godly mother. She didn't have a godly father. Yet she believed. That was a tremendous obstacle. Nobody believed, nobody around her believed. Yet she dared to trust God. Secondly, her knowledge of God was limited. You know what she knew? She knew something that happened 40 years earlier as the Jewish people were delivered from Egypt. She knew about the defeat of two Gentile kings. She knew that the Lord was God of heaven and earth and that he had given the land of Canaan to the Jewish people. And that's it as far as we know. That's not a whole lot. But here's the thing. She believed and acted on what she knew. She didn't say, oh, I don't, I don't know so much. I don't have a whole lot of knowledge. But she acted on what she knew. Thirdly, another obstacle, she was a prostitute. Yet she didn't continue in those ways, but in turning to God, she turned away from her old way of life. You say, well, how do you know that? I'll tell you how I know that. Not only was Rahab saved, do you know that she was honored beyond most people? Do you know who Rahab became? Matthew chapter 1. You don't even need to turn there. Matthew chapter 1. I'll read to you the fifth verse of the New Testament. And to Solomon was born Boaz by Rahab. And to Boaz was born Obed by Ruth. And to Obed, Jesse, in verse 6 says, <clears throat> and to Jesse was born David the king. Rahab became an ancestor of the great King David. And more significantly, Rahab, this one-time prostitute, became an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the... Davidic line. This is the messianic line. Now you talk about grace. You talk about mercy. She had obstacles to overcome. Rahab is a great example to us of, of the fact that regardless of your background, your lack of spiritual understanding, your, your lifestyle, true faith operates courageously and it takes risks. What does that say to us? Regardless of all the opposition to the faith that you may have, you may have an unbelieving spouse and you may give all kinds of excuses. There, there is no excuse. If Rahab can believe, you can too. If Rahab can, can become an honored part of the, the God's community, then you can too. But you may say, well, I have an unbelieving spouse, so, you know, I, I really can't study the word that much. I can't. That's no excuse. Or how about, uh, I, I have an unspiritual spouse. He holds me back or she holds me back. No excuse. Rahab was a prostitute. And yet she believed God. How about this? Uh, I have a past that, that I'm ashamed of. I remind you of Rahab's past. I have a lack of biblical knowledge. Or I have a parent who's against me, against my faith. They're steeped in another religious system. But true faith operates and isn't overcome by obstacles, no matter what it is. True faith overcomes obstacles. And the Hebrews of the first century really needed to hear this. 
because they, they were, some of them were ready to give up and return to Judaism and others were quite discouraged. But if Rahab, the Gentile harlot, could believe God, if the pagan Rahab could believe God, then certainly these Hebrews who knew so much more than her can believe God. Let me tell you, and I've said this before, faith doesn't operate in an ivory tower. Don't, don't think that if I only was, had no problems and I only was had a different job and I only had a different spouse and I only had a different set of circumstances, I could really be someone who had great faith. No, no, it's those, it's those circumstances and that opposition that helps you, at least that's God's design to make you a man or a woman of faith. If Rahab could believe God with everything going against her, then you can too. Now, I think as we, as we sum this up, that Rahab is also a rebuke to people who give excuses for not coming to Christ. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you may have all kinds of excuses. Here's some of them that, that people give. Well, I don't know much about the Bible. Well, neither did Rahab. You know a lot more than her. But you act on what you do know, not on what you don't know. Secondly, I'm too bad to be forgiven. I'm too bad. I have done so much in my past, God can never forgive me. That's ridiculous. Rahab was a prostitute. And Jesus said that he came to call not the righteous to repentance, but sinners. Actually, there are no righteous ones. What he was saying is you have to recognize that you're a sinner. And the Bible says he received Tax, corrupt tax collectors and, and harlots. He received them. How about this? What will my family think if I turn to Jesus? You know what Rahab's first concern was? She didn't look at her family as a conflict. She looked at her family as an opportunity uh, for, for them to experience deliverance. She made a deal. Save my family. Can't let your family's reaction to you and the gospel determine what you do with Jesus Christ. You must trust him and his word and then try to lead them to the Lord. Don't see them as the opposition. Have a burden for them. So what obstacles are in your life that you need to, uh, to overcome? I don't know what they are. There, there may be many, but how do you overcome them? You believe God's word. Regardless of the external obstacles or maybe obstacles in your own life, you believe God's word. Faith never operates apart from the word of God, and that's what you need to do. Walls will eventually come down, but you must trust his word and don't get in the way. My wife has a relative who served as a missionary doctor in a small Ecuadorian city for over 20 years before the first person came to Christ. He and his wife persevered in their witness, knowing that they were being obedient, even without any visible evidence. Now there is a thriving Christian community in that little city and even a Christian radio station. Imagine the difference if they had given up after 19 years there and returned home. If you're facing great challenges to your faith, don't give up. We're surrounded by a great cloud of people, living and dead, who can testify that God is faithful. We're glad to have you with us today for another verse-by-verse -verse Bible class of the air. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is our instructor for these daily lessons. Today's class was the conclusion of Pastor Steve's eighth message on the heroes of the faith. He'll be back in our next class with the start of yet another message on this wonderful chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 25 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
That preaching and teaching ministry has expanded to include this daily broadcast made available by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the faithful prayers and generous gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their own church. If you would like to hear today's program again or a previous one, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear Pastor Steve's entire message without announcements, you can order a tape or a CD by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. Please join us again next time for the start of another expository or verse-by-verse lesson from the faith chapter Hebrews 11.